Welcome to the Fit Man Over 40 podcast, your number one online source devoted to men's health, fitness, and performance. Whether you're a weekend warrior or looking to get into the best shape of your life, the Fit Man Over 40 podcast provides cutting-edge men's health information you won't find anywhere else. Hey guys, this is Jason for fitmenover40.com and in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about how to identify various signs and symptoms that your body will often display when you become low or deficient in important vitamins and minerals. I'll tell you what to look for and explain how to interpret these signals to give you a better understanding of dietary changes that you may need to make or what conditions you may need to investigate further with the help of a qualified healthcare provider. Now, due to an overabundance of food in developed nations, it's very rare to see cases of severe nutritional deficiencies. Diseases such as scurvy, beriberi, and pellagra are pretty much a thing of the past. And once scientists discovered the nutritional component of these diseases, uh, steps were taken to educate the public as well as to fortify various food products with synthetic vitamins and minerals in order to make up for any dietary shortfalls. It generally takes a relatively minuscule amount of vitamins and minerals to prevent diseases of nutritional deficiency as evidenced by government dietary guidelines. But unfortunately, this has given the general public a false sense of security when it comes to their health because there's a huge chasm between using nutrition to prevent disease and using nutrition to achieve optimal health. So long before overt signs of nutritional deficiency manifest as a disease state, your body will oftentimes display telltale signs of nutritional insufficiency. And what this means is that if your diet is lacking optimal amounts of essential nutrients, your body will be unable to function at its best. And this leaves the door open to dysfunction in the form of chronic conditions such as digestive disturbances, mood disorders, fatigue, insomnia, low sex drive, and weakened immunity. Now, of course, none of the health issues I just mentioned are life-threatening, but they do negatively impact your quality of life. And they can leave you susceptible to more serious diseases later on down the road. Now, unfortunately, healthcare as it's practiced today is largely based upon a this-for-that approach uh, that uses specific drugs to suppress symptoms of disease rather than uncovering and treating the root cause, which oftentimes can be traced back to nutritional insufficiency. And here's where it gets interesting. Your body is always trying to maintain homeostasis, meaning it's constantly striving to stay in balance. So many of the symptoms that patients complain about to their doctors are really just the body's way of communicating that something is out of balance. Uh, So if you learn to identify and interpret those symptoms as early warning signs, you can make the necessary preemptive nutritional interventions to strengthen your body and hopefully help to prevent any potential future diseases. So what I'll cover now are some of the nutritional insufficiencies that are the most common among the general population. And I'll break down each nutrient by describing the possible signs, primary causes, health effects, and recommendations for low nutrient levels. So the first nutrient is vitamin A. Now, vitamin A is a fat-soluble vitamin that is stored in the liver, and it is an essential nutrient for eye health, strong bones and teeth, immune function, healthy skin, and reproduction. Some of the possible signs of low vitamin A are little red bumps on the back of your upper arms, dry and rough skin, acne, poor night vision, your eyes sensitive become sensitive to bright light, and increased respiratory infections. So what are some of the possible causes of low vitamin A? Well, a poor diet is the main cause of vitamin A insufficiency, but it can also be due to conditions such as diabetes and hypothyroidism. So people with these two conditions have a difficult time converting beta carotene from vegetables into active vitamin A. So it's really important uh, that they get active vitamin A from animal foods or animal fats. 
And also because vitamin A is fat soluble, individuals with a compromised gallbladder or pancreas or people on a very low fat restrictive diet can become uh, uh, insufficient or deficient in vitamin A. So recommendations uh, in order to get more vitamin A. The best sources of dietary vitamin A are liver, egg yolks, butter, whole milk, and fish liver oil. If you decide to take a vitamin A supplement, I recommend that you use the form of vitamin A palmitate and take no more than 2,000 to 4,000 international units per day, per day with a meal containing fat for enhanced absorption. And since vitamin A is fat soluble and it's stored in the body, it can become toxic at, at higher doses, so don't overdo it with the supplements. The next nutrient is vitamin B12. And vitamin B12 is responsible for cell replication and for the production of red blood cells. It also plays a vital role in converting ingested food into energy and it helps to maintain the protective myelin sheath around your nerve endings. Now along with vitamin B6 and folic acid, vitamin B12 reduces the overproduction of homocysteine which has been implicated as a culprit in the onset of cardiovascular disease. So some of the possible signs of low vitamin B12 include fatigue and weakness, dizziness, heart palpitations, a sore red and glazed looking tongue, spoon-shaped fingernails, ringing in the ears, otherwise known as tinnitus, memory loss, and numbness and tingling in your hands or feet. So some of the possible causes of low vitamin B12. Uh, poor digestion and malabsorption along with inadequate dietary intake are the primary causes of low vitamin B12. Certain medications uh, such as antacids, some anti-diabetic medications, some antibiotics, oral contraceptives, uh, and anti-seizure drugs can deplete or block the absorption of dietary vitamin B12. So check with your doctor or pharmacist if you're taking any of these uh, class of drugs and you may need to supplement with extra vitamin B12. So recommendations to get more vitamin B12. Some vitamin B12 is produced by the flora in your gut or the bacteria in your gut, but it, it typically isn't enough to support uh, optimal health. Uh, the best food sources of vitamin B12 are from animal foods such as beef, fish, seafood, liver, chicken, and lamb. Now, some vegetarians and vegans claim that you can get adequate vitamin B12 from plant-based foods like spirulina, but this really just isn't the case. So if you choose to eat a plant-based diet, then you'll definitely need to take a vitamin B12 supplement in order to make up for any dietary shortfalls. I would recommend taking 1,000 micrograms of sublingual vitamin B12 daily with breakfast uh, in the most absorbable form, which is called methocobalamin. Um, if you have digestive issues uh, or if you're taking some of the medications I mentioned earlier, you may want to talk to your doctor about uh, getting injectable vitamin B12. The next nutrient is vitamin D, which is a fat-soluble vitamin, and it's often called the sunshine vitamin because we can get it by exposing our skin to UV rays from the sun. Now, vitamin D actually works as a pro-hormone in your body, and its primary functions are to regulate calcification and mineralization of the bones, and also to boost the immune system. So some of the possible signs of low vitamin D are muscle weakness, unexplained pain in your ribs, spine, and legs, muscle cramps, muscle twitches, insomnia, depression, and osteopenia or osteoporosis. Some of the possible causes of low vitamin D uh, the main one is a lack of exposure to sunlight, especially in northern climates, and overuse of sunscreen in the summer months. Um, these tend to be the main causes of low vitamin D levels. And since vitamin D is, is fat-soluble, having poor digestion along with uh, issues uh, with your liver and gallbladder in terms of dysfunction can really inhibit the absorption of vitamin D from dietary sources. 
So recommendations to correct low vitamin D. Well, the best way to ensure that you attain optimal amounts of vitamin D is to sunbathe two to three times per week in the spring and summer months for 20 to 40 minutes, depending on your skin pigmentation. Now, in the fall and winter, you'll most likely have to rely on dietary sources uh, of vitamin D from foods such as cod liver oil, egg yolks, calves liver, and fish such as salmon or sardines. If you decide to take a vitamin D supplement, I would recommend taking 2,000 to 4,000 international units per day of vitamin D3, and make sure you you take it along with a vitamin K2 supplement and a healthy fat like olive oil or coconut oil for enhanced absorption. Since vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin, it's stored in the body, uh, so there's always a slight risk of toxicity if you take high doses for a prolonged period of time. The only foolproof way of knowing if you have optimal levels of vitamin D in your body is to have a blood test done by your physician. The next nutrient is vitamin E. This is another fat-soluble nutrient that is essential for the production of sex hormones and sperm motility, and a deficiency has been linked with infertility in men, so it's really important for men's uh, sexual function and reproduction. There's also a number of studies showing that vitamin E plays a significant role in preventing heart disease, and it does this by reducing the production of the so-called bad cholesterol called low-density lipoprotein or LDL cholesterol, and also by preventing blood clots from forming. Uh, So this helps to prevent any possible heart attacks or stroke. It's also a powerful antioxidant that protects your body cells from the destruction caused by free radicals and lipid peroxidation. So some of the possible signs of low vitamin E are weakness, irritability, diarrhea, brittle hair, premature aging of the skin, and age and liver spots on your skin. Possible causes of low vitamin E. Uh, vitamin E is, is found in only a few foods, uh, so people are often uh, insufficient or deficient in vitamin E. Some of the foods uh, that d- do contain vitamin E are wheat germ oil, nuts, seeds, and green leafy vegetables. So it can be difficult to get optimal amounts from foods alone. You'd have to eat a ton of foods in order to get optimal amounts. Uh, so this is why a lot of people really fall short uh, when it comes to their dietary intake. Because the proper absorption of vitamin E is dependent on pancreatic secretion of bile from the gallbladder, if either of these organs are uh, malfunctioning, so your pancreas or your gallbladder, then vitamin E uptake can also be inhibited. So recommendations. Uh, I recommend that you include plenty of green leafy vegetables in your diet, as well as nuts and seeds. Uh, And this is a good way of getting natural vitamin E. But in my mind, in order to get optimal amounts uh, of vitamin E in your diet, you really have to take a supplement. And I recommend taking a vitamin E supplement that contains a balanced mixed ratio of tocopherols and tocotrienols, uh, like like the the balance that is found in whole foods. Um, You're just getting uh, obviously a concentrated or higher amount in the supplement form. And this will ensure uh, that the the supplement you're taking is more biologically active and will also enhance its absorption and function in your body. So I recommend taking 400 to 800 international units of vitamin E with mixed tocopherols and tocotrienols daily and take it with a meal containing fat. The next nutrient is iodine. And iodine is an important trace mineral, especially when it comes to the health of your thyroid gland because it's needed to produce the hormone thyroxin, which regulates metabolism. It also plays a role in reproduction, nerve and muscle function, the growth of your hair and nails, as well as the utilization of oxygen by the body cells. So some of the possible signs of low iodine are extreme fatigue, dry hair, overweight, or you have a a difficult time losing body fat even if you exercise a lot, constipation, constant cold hands and feet, and brittle nails. So some of the possible causes of low iodine 
are a diet low in seafood and sea vegetables, uh, and this typically is the main cause of low iodine levels. But it can also be caused by eating foods grown in soil that's also lacking in iodine. Uh, one particular region known for this is the Great Lakes area. Iodine insufficiency can also be caused by exposure to high levels of mercury from environmental pollution or amalgam fillings in your teeth. And this is due to large amounts of mercury displacing iodine in the body, causing a potential shortfall even when eating a diet that's rich in iodine. So some of the recommendations to get more iodine in your diet. Um, you really don't need a huge amount uh, because it is, is a trace mineral. So even the smallest amount can really make a huge difference in terms of your health. And you can get most of the iodine that you need uh, just by eating wild-caught seafood such as shrimp, scallops, and oysters, or eating sea vegetables such as dulse or kelp. If you don't have access to any of these kinds of foods, then you can get your iodine from a liquid supplement uh, in a daily dose of no more than 150 micrograms. The next nutrient is magnesium. And magnesium is a central mineral when it comes to our health because it's involved in over 300 enzymatic-related reactions in our body. And it plays a vital role in energy production, the breakdown of protein and fats. Uh, it's, it's required for bone health, muscle relaxation, the transmission of nerve impulses. It also helps to uh, regulate glucose. It aids cardiovascular health. And it can also uh, relax the airways or your, your breathing. Um, so this can help to reduce the severity of asthma or the symptoms of asthma. So some of the possible signs of low magnesium are muscle spasms or tremors, muscle cramps, gallstones, irregular heartbeat, excessive body odor, anxiety, and insomnia. So some of the possible causes of low magnesium are a diet high in processed foods. That's the main cause of insufficient magnesium. Uh, but magnesium can also be easily depleted by chronic stress, uh, conditions like hyperthyroidism or kidney disease, excessive alcohol or caffeine intake, uh, certain medications such as diuretics and certain antibiotics, and it can also be depleted by heavy sweating during physical activity, especially in hot climates. So some of the recommendations to get more magnesium, um, you can try eating more uh, foods that are rich in magnesium, such as green leafy vegetables, whole grains, nuts, dark chocolate, and shellfish. And this will help to ensure that you get adequate magnesium. Uh, but if you've been low in magnesium for a long period of time, uh, you might want to look at taking a supplemental uh, magnesium. And I recommend taking the form of magnesium citrate or glycinate uh, at around 400 to 600 milligrams per day in, a do in doses spread throughout the day. The next nutrient is selenium, and this is a trace mineral that is found in pretty much every cell in your body, and it's found in the highest concentrations in your kidneys, liver, spleen, pancreas, and testicles. Now, selenium acts as a powerful antioxidant that reduces the production of cell-damaging free radicals, and it's so powerful that it's 500 times more potent as an antioxidant than vitamin E. And there are several uh, well-documented studies that show that selenium shows some promise in helping to prevent a variety of cancers such as prostate, colorectal, and lung cancers. And because of its positive effect on the immune system, selenium has also been shown to assist the body in fighting off pathogenic organisms such as bacteria and viruses. It's also vital for thyroid health because it helps to facilitate the conversion of the thyroid hormone T4 into the more active T3 that actually exerts its action on your body's cells. And finally, selenium helps to protect the brain against the destructive effects of mercury by helping to neutralize this, this heavy metal and expelling it from the body through urination or feces. Now, possible signs of low selenium are dry, thin hair, 
frequent infections, dandruff, cataracts, muscular weakness, and fatigue. So the possible causes of low selenium, well, the principal cause of low selenium uh, is a poor diet or consuming foods that are grown in selenium-depleted soil. Uh, but also long-term use of anti-inflammatory medications such as corticosteroids can also deplete selenium levels in your body. So recommendations to get more selenium. Um, you really don't need to get a lot of selenium in your diet in order to gain all of the aforementioned health benefits. Uh, and in fact, if you take a large amount of selenium over a prolonged period of time, it can actually become toxic. Um, so you can get more than enough of it just by adding more selenium-rich foods to your diet, such as Brazil nuts, whole grains, seafood, uh, onions, poultry, and meats. Um, if you happen to live in a region with soil that is depleted uh, of selenium, then you're, you'll need to supplement. And I usually recommend taking about 200 micrograms of selenium per day with food. So last but not least, um, there is the essential mineral zinc. Now, this nutrient is especially important for men's health because it plays a vital role in prostate health and testosterone production in the testes. Uh, zinc also supports healthy immunity, wound healing, insulin sensitivity, fertility, and the production of a number of different digestive enzymes. So some of the possible signs of low zinc are white spots on your fingernails, an enlarged prostate, low testosterone production, frequent infections, poor dream recall, loss of sense of smell or taste, and loss of appetite. Some of the possible causes of low zinc are low stomach acid, and this can be due to infections such as an H. pylori infection, uh, or it can be just due to aging. Uh, there's also certain medications such as antacids, which can inhibit the absorption of zinc. Uh, eating a diet high in calcium can block the proper uptake and assimilation of zinc in the digestive tract, and so too can a diet high or heavy in grains that contain a high amount of mineral-blocking anti-nutrients called phytates that bind to zinc and prevent it from being absorbed into the body. So recommendations to get more zinc in your body. Well, the best dietary sources of zinc include oysters, beef, lamb, wheat germ, poultry, liver, and eggs. Uh, but if you've been deficient in zinc for a prolonged period of time, it's a good idea to supplement with around 40 to 60 milligrams of zinc citrate or picolinate daily with food. Uh, but keep in mind that too much zinc, uh, paradoxically, can actually suppress your immune system. Uh, so definitely stay within the recommended guidelines for supplementation. I would say no more than 60 milligrams per day, and the rest can come from your food. So just to finish off, keep in mind that a lot of these signs and symptoms don't necessarily mean that you are deficient or, or low in these particular nutrients. But once you become more adept at recognizing the signs of these nutrient insufficiencies in your own body, it just can give you some guidelines or some direction to go in when you contact a qualified healthcare provider and, and you can have them order further testing for confirmation. Now, there are a number of ways of testing nutrient status, but the most accurate and reliable I've come across is called the SpectraCell Micronutrient Test. Now, this is a test used by professional and Olympic caliber athletes because it measures the function of 35 nutritional components, including vitamins, antioxidants, minerals, and amino acids within your body's white blood cells. And scientific evidence has shown that analyzing the white blood cells gives them most accurate analysis of a person's nutrient deficiencies. So I'll leave a link below where you can get more information on SpectraCell's micronutrient testing and also how to find a healthcare provider in your region that offers a test as part of their services. 
So that's it for today. If you have any questions about this podcast, feel free to leave them in the comment section below and I'll do my best to answer back. Also, don't forget to click the subscribe button so that you can be instantly notified when the next podcast is released. So thanks for tuning in to the Fitment Over 40 podcast. I'm Jason Simpkins and I will see you next time.